And so we are uh, in our second week of a series that's entitled uh, The Culture of Family. Last week we looked at how God is our Father and um, just how God's designed for us uh, right from the very beginning it was good. If you looked at the Adam, uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eve, there was nothing about that in God's design that was evil. And, and I use this illustration that you know if you were to plan a trip for friends and family, and I said to you, there's an unlimited amount of money. You know, here's a million dollars. I want you to plan a trip for your family and your friends. And you went away and began to plan that trip. You would plan good things. That's all that would be in your heart, right? Because that's part of the image of God. That, that, that part in you that says, you know, if that was my opportunity to plan that trip, we would have some incredible food. We would have some incredible experiences. We would go visit some amazing places, and we wouldn't plan the flu in that trip. We wouldn't plan a car accident. Nothing in your heart would want to design anything in that trip other than something that was good. And that is a picture of what God designed at the very beginning in the garden. There was nothing in his heart, nothing in that design in our, in our father's heart that was bad or evil. But he needed to give Adam and Eve the choice. He didn't want them to follow him like, you know, like robots, but he gave them a choice whether or not they would follow God, and we know what happened. But, but God is our Heavenly Father, and, and his design for our lives is good. And then this morning, we look at this thought that um, is becoming sons and daughters. What does it mean to be a son and daughter, and, and how, how, if we miss that, how does life look? What does it look like to live out of an orphan mentality, even as a Christian, even as someone who said, God, I, I give my life to you, Jesus, I follow you, I put my faith in you, but you can still live at, like an orphan even in that place. And so this morning we want to take a look at the scripture. So let me read it for you, John chapter 1, verses 9 to 13. This is Jesus, uh, a description of Jesus. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world, speaking of Jesus. He was in the world... And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 1, I think, is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture because it begins to talk about how Jesus came and made his dwelling amongst us, and and it describes him for who he is. Jesus is light. Jesus not only brings light, but Jesus is light. Jesus illuminates light. Uh, uh, the, the, the place to, to the Father and makes that way for us to come into relationship with light and uh, with God. And so John begins to just talk about the fact that Jesus came to the world that he created. He came to that which was his own. And in God's, in, in the Father's plan, there was that moment when Jesus came and he, and he dwelt amongst us and yet we didn't recognize him. There's a lot of people that didn't recognize him. Some did and some put their faith in him and and uh, we'll go on and explore what that means. But, but light in this instance is, is that which um, speaks of God's goodness and of his righteousness. 
And so if the light was coming into the world, it stands to reason that there was a period in humanity where the light was not here, where people walked in darkness. In fact, there's, a, there's an Old Testament scripture that says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And so John begins to remind the readers that, hey, listen, there was a moment where light came. And that means before that moment, there was darkness. There, there wasn't this ability to, to walk in relationship with God in the way that God intended us to. There was, these were dark times. There wasn't a way to escape uh, the, the bondage of sin that, that we carried. And yet there's a moment when the light came, and that all changed. And so we're reminded this morning that, that Jesus brought change. Remember that the primary consequence of the fall was separation from our Father, and so if we look at this in, in, in human terms, if, if a child loses their mother and father, perhaps there's a, there's a tragedy and, and both of their parents are taken from them, we, we now refer to them as orphans. And that word simply means that, that they don't have their father and mother in their lives anymore. And there are, there are countries there where there's orphanages because there are children, many children in this situation, and so they need to be cared for. And so an orphan is brought to an orphanage, and, and they try to give that child some semblance of love, some semblance of, of that which has been torn from their lives, which is the love of a father and a mother. And so in a physical sense, in a human sense, we know what it means to be an orphan. What an incredibly difficult experience to never know your father and your mother, to not know that love that God designed for you to know. But the same thing has happened spiritually to all of us, and and we have been separated from our heavenly father. And so spiritually speaking, when Adam and Eve fell, then humanity became orphaned from the love of God. And and we, in, in a spiritual sense, find ourselves in that category where we've been separated from our Heavenly Father, that which we were designed to experience was taken from us, and yet if we, before we discover the answer in Jesus, we, we live our lives not knowing that we are in an orphan state. If we don't know God's story, we can walk through this life not knowing that, that we are a spiritual orphan. Why? Because we've been separated from the love of our Father that that God intended us to experience. And so as a result of that orphan state, we, we instinctively try to connect spiritually because we know that we're missing something. There's something missing in our lives. Our spirits are frustrated by living in this disconnected state. And so it leaves us longing to find something that, that, that completes us, that makes us feel right again at the deep parts of who we are. But the problem is that we don't know that something is missing because we are orphaned spiritually. We, just, we, we can just go through life thinking, I just haven't quite found it yet, but I'll keep looking. And unless we know God's story, we don't know that the answer is only found in a restored relationship with our Father. And so we're living in an orphaned state spiritually because of what happened at the fall. You know, I, about four or five weeks ago, I can't remember how long now, I lost, um, I lost the car keys. Have you ever done that? And um, it was a Sunday, I, I, was, I was rushing because I had to be somewhere in the city right after the service, and so I rushed over to the house and uh, went to where the keys normally are, and, you know, they weren't there. Okay, so what do you start to do? You look in your coat pockets, well, what coat did I have on? When did I just use them last? And, and you might think, well, just ask Carrie Lynn for her keys. Well, uh, we only have one set of keys for our van. Uh, we should probably get another set. 
I just can't dish out the 200 bucks or whatever it is for a key these days. It's crazy. Anyhow, so one set of keys, they're lost. I didn't end up making it to where I needed to go. You know, the rest of that day, I kind of went about my afternoon. I tried to just function without that on my mind. But have you ever been there where it's just, it's eating you up? And so I, I was able to just go about the rest of my afternoon, but, but boy, was it ever eating up a lot of RAM in the back of my mind. Where are those keys? Something's missing. I can't find it. And yeah, I'm functioning. My day's going, you know, I, there's other things that I, I needed to do, and I went ahead and did those, but there was something missing that I knew I needed to find. And, you know, good story, good news, good ending. I ended up finding them, uh, and, um, and boy, that was a relief. But imagine for a moment... If, if there was that sense in you that you were missing something that you couldn't find, but you didn't even know what you were looking for. You didn't know. But there was this gnawing sense in you. You're going through life with the sense that, that I'm, I'm missing something, but I don't even know what I'm missing. What a place to be in. A place to be in. We, we are in that state apart from Jesus. We are orphaned spiritually. And so unless we become aware of our orphan state, that sin has separated us from the love of our Heavenly Father, then, then we live our lives trying to find that thing that will complete us. You know, most orphans have some level of desire to find out who their father and their mother are, to, to find out what went wrong. And, and in the same way, our spirits are longing to connect with our Heavenly Father. There's that deep place in us that keeps drawing us toward that connection because that that relationship was broken. And so we can go through life looking for something and we may not even know what it is apart from God's story. And here's the kicker. Not only do we find ourselves looking in the wrong places, but we have help to look in the wrong places. Do you realize that? There, there is, um, there is this enemy called Satan and he's actually called a father. Do you realize that? Satan is actually given the term father in scripture. But what is he the father of? He's the father of lies. If there's something natural for Satan that just is part of his character, it's deception. That's part of just who he is. And so the, the, the term father for him is, is not a helpful, healthy term. It's, it's, it's the, the originator of deception is Satan. And, and what he wants to do is he wants to help you to keep looking everywhere else except for the father to find your fulfillment. That's his desire. And if he can keep you looking everywhere else except for God, boy, He's happy. He's accomplishing his mission. You see, Satan sets himself up as a false father in a sense. And so he points us to things and he points us and promises things that, that, and he tells us those are the things that will fulfill you. And we chase them only to find that we've been deceived, that they don't satisfy our spiritual longing. And so Satan will say to you, over here, it's over here. This is where you're going to find your fulfillment. Oh, at last, here, here's where you're going to be fulfilled. And we chase after those things, and we, we realize, no, that's not it. And they say, no, no, over here. Let, let me, let, this is what I'm going to bring you to, because this is going to f- fulfill you. And Satan is happiest when he can keep us uh, pursuing all kinds of things that will ensure that we remain spiritual orphans, that, that keep us in that state of being separated from our Father's love. There are other ways that our orphan state affects our everyday lives. If, if we look at um, Genesis, our separated state from the Father, when, when Adam and Eve sinned and, and God removed them from the garden, there's a couple of things that happened. One of the things that, that really affects us as men 
uh, is that we will have an uneasy relationship with work. What did, what did God say? He said, you know, the ground is going to be cursed from now on, and, and you're going to work the ground. He's speaking to the man. You're going to work the ground. There's going to be a lot of toil and blood, sweat, and tears. There's going to be thorns. It's not going to be easy. And so one, one of the kind of immediate effects of, of living in an orphan state, apart from the Father's love, is that, is that men, we have an uneasy relationship with work. And so we are tempted to two extremes, often, as men. One extreme is to, is to throw all of our effort and our energy into work because there's something in us that thinks perhaps that's where I will be fulfilled. And so the pendulum swings too far where we become workaholics. And, and the thought might be, if I can just get a better position or if I could just make you know, X number of dollars, you fill in the blank, then I'll be happy. And as long as we live as orphans, as long as we try to find satisfaction apart from a relationship with our Father, our work will never satisfy the way that we hope it will. You know, some men go the opposite way, and we call them couch potatoes, right? Because they realize, you know, that work thing is not, wor- it's not working out for me. It's not where I'm fulfilled. It, so why even bother? Why bother with this toil? You know, what, what's the meaning of work anyhow? And, and there's some men that go the opposite way and, and, and they just begin to check out. They check out of their families. They check out of, out of what is in front of them to do with their hands that is meant to be good. And so as men, there's this temptation to have an uneasy relationship with work because of that orphan state that we live in, because we're separated from the Father's love. And so unless we settle that, unless we find our our fulfillment in God, then men, we will struggle with those two extremes, workaholism or couch potato. But if we find our fulfillment in God, then work finds its rightful place in our lives. What about about women? You know, one of the orphan symptoms for women that, that we find in Genesis chapter three is that she has an uneasy relationship with man. You see, women were created as the completer of man, Scripture says. If you read God's intention, to function as a wonderful equal alongside man, to to, to complete and to partner together in what God called them to do, which was to have dominion over the earth, which was to spread God's goodness over all of the earth. And yet a woman with an orphan mentality will either there will be two extremes in this place in her life. She will either bow in subservience or fear in her relationship with the man in her life. That's one extreme. Or the other extreme is that she will rise up and, and, and try to use powers at her disposal to control the man in her life, to try to ensure that he will love her the way that she so desires. And again, two extremes that are the result of living out of an orphaned place the result of not finding our fulfillment in our heavenly Father. And we see this over and over in our own lives and in in the lives of those around us. A woman might actually reject men altogether in this place of living out of an orphan mentality. And so unless a woman finds her identity in the love of her heavenly Father, she will usually tend toward one of those extremes, just as men will in their relationship with work. And so sin introduced a separation from our Heavenly Father's love and and consequences were immediate. You know, if we find ourselves anchored in the Father's love, we will be able to find work in its rightful place in our lives. Women, if you find yourself anchored in the Father's love, 
And, and, and that's out of which you have, you live your relationship with the man in your life, then you will simply know that there is, no, there is no inequity, that you are equally loved, that you are equally valued in the sight of God. And you can come together with the man that God has placed in your life and live uh, the purpose of marriage, which is to, to share God's goodness, which is to bless your children, which is to have dominion in the sense of, of just sharing and, and, and bringing the presence of God into your sphere of influence. But sometimes we live out of that orphan mentality and we forget that we find our fulfillment in the love of God. You know, being orphaned has a lot to do with the loss of identity and striving in our soul to try to find that identity again. Ian Dunn says this, we lose our identities as children not just because we aren't in the garden or because we have a moral issue that we are struggling with, but because our hearts feel abandoned by the loss of our Father's love. Thankfully, there's a solution. There's a solution. You see, Jesus provided a way to expose the false father, Satan, who would have us looking everywhere else except for God. And, and he made a way through his, his shed blood to reunite us with the Father's love. And so when Jesus shed his blood and died on the cross, he destroyed the power of death and, and he removed what separated from us from our Father. And so as a result, as we step into relationship with our Heavenly Father, we no longer need to strive. It, it's almost like because of Jesus, we can, we can step out of the orphanage. We can leave the orphanage behind. And we can step into the Father's house. We can come up to that banqueting table that we reminded of this morning that, that God has so many good things for us in his relationship with us. And so Jesus means that we can step out of the orphanage into the, the house of our Heavenly Father, into a relationship once again with him. What did John say in this first chapter, John? He says, to, to him who believes in Jesus, he gives the right. It's a pretty strong word. He gives the right to become children of God. And so, and so what he's saying is that as we put our faith in what Jesus has done, we, we get removed from the orphanage, spiritually speaking. We actually have the right now, through what Jesus has done for us, to step into the Father's house and to say, God, I now step into my rightful place where you designed me to live all along, out of that relationship with you, and I don't want to live as an orphan any longer. I want to live knowing that my satisfaction and my fulfillment is in knowing the one that has created me, in, in living in relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done. And I wish this meant that at that moment of putting our faith in Christ, that everything is li in life is perfect. Wouldn't that be nice? I wish it meant that, that now there's no more struggles, that we no, no longer feel pain, there's no more brokenness in our lives. I wish that was the case. But it's not. You see, when we come into the Father's house, we still come with suitcases from the orphanage. And we still come with a sinful nature that God needs to continue to work and shape. He still needs to make you look more like Jesus. And there's areas of our lives that he just continually works on and pours his goodness over so that you begin to look more and more like Jesus and the baggage of our sinful nature and perhaps of your past becomes less and less. Do you realize that's the trajectory that God wants for your life? He wants you to continue to grow 
in, in your new place of being a son and a daughter of the Father. And so we need help so that those suitcases can be emptied and so that we can grow in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Pastor Ian tells a story of a young man who grew up in a Christian home and uh, he, he rebelled. Um, he, he just wanted out from underneath his parents' authority and so early on, he left home and uh, he just began to live life in the way that he wanted to, right? He made decisions that he felt uh, were in his best interest and, and just rebelled against his parents in a very, very strong way. Over time, um, he became violent and then he became in trouble with the law. But finally, things began to turn around in his life and he was reunited to his, uh, to his parents. And to their relief, he came back to them and, and this relationship that was broken was restored. But there was something that, that was interesting in that place in his life. You see, not, not everything was fixed and, and he still had things that he struggled with. And one of the things that he struggled with the most was a sense of shame. And so this is how it looked. He, he, he came and began to live in his parents' home again. But he couldn't accept their goodness. And every time they, they did something or were generous toward him, his, his response was, I'll, I'll pay you back. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay you back for that, Dad. I'll pay you back for that, Mom. And they kept telling him, no, no, you're, you're not living in our house as a servant. You're, you're our son. And we want to bless you. We want to pour into your life. And yet because of, because of that shame that he carried, even though he was back in the father's house, he was living as an orphan. He couldn't quite accept the love of his parents, he, he felt like he wasn't, he didn't belong, even in his parents' own home. And so he had, to, he had to begin to allow the realization again that he was a son, he wasn't a servant. And you know, that can happen in our lives spiritually as well, that we can live, even as Christians, we can live as an orphan in our mentality. And perhaps it means that it's difficult for us to really believe that God is good. It's difficult for, real, for us to really believe that we have a Father, a Heavenly Father, that loves us and that accepts us and that knows us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yet His love for us is strong and sure. I want to just encourage you this morning as we, as we close. Perhaps you have never taken the step of putting your faith in Jesus. And do you realize that in that state that you're separated from the love of your father? You're living as a spiritual orphan and, and, and you'll find your satisfaction only in that place of coming back into a relationship with your father, with your heavenly father. I want to encourage you this morning just to take that step, just to say, Jesus, I receive forgiveness of my sin. I understand now that, that you've come as light to show me the path back to my Heavenly Father, to restore that relationship that was broken and that was marred by sin. And I want to step into that place of being spiritually reunited with my Heavenly Father. You know, perhaps this morning you've received Christ into your life and yet in some ways you're still living as an orphan. You feel like you don't belong in the Father's house. And you're carrying things in your life that that still cause you to try to find acceptance. You, you, you view yourself as a worker for God and you try to do things to please him instead of just discovering the wonder of being a son or a daughter. And I want to encourage you this morning that if that's you, that this morning the Holy Spirit would do a work in you 
to begin to help you to see yourself, that you do belong in the Father's house, that you do, you are worthy. This morning we prayed about that. You are worthy of the love of God for you. Yes, for you. That God sees you as valued and important and he wants to know, he wants to pour his love into you. This morning we're going to do something a little bit different as we close and, and I'm just going to ask that you would stand and that we would, we would read a declaration. Does everyone have that handout that, that was given to you? If you don't have one, could you just raise your hand? We're going to get you one. This is how we're going to close our time this morning. Because it's so vital for us to actually come to a place where we can speak the truth of who we are. We can speak that truth that we are sons and daughters, that if we have been reunited with the Father, that we are sons and daughters. I want to make sure everyone has one. This isn't really our custom as a church, but if this stretches you a little bit, that's okay. It's good to be stretched once in a while. So this is what we're going to read. I'm just going to ask that you would read with me and that we would declare this together. And then we're going to pray. Just believe that God has done something in our hearts this morning. Let's declare this together. I declare that God's word is true. When he said in John 1, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That word applies to me. I did receive him. I did believe in Jesus' name. And he gave me the right to become a child. I declare that I am a son or daughter of my Father in heaven. I declare that my Father has called me so. And I declare that from this day forward, I will live up to my full birthright as a child in my father's house. I will take on my identity as a son or daughter and live in that identity from now on. I will grow up and be mature daughter and son. Father, open my eyes to see and to understand all that implies in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that because of Jesus that we have been brought out of the orphanage, Lord, that we are no longer orphaned in our spirits, but we are now children of God, that we are now reunited with the love of our Father. And I thank you that we can simply declare this morning the truth of what your word tells us. And I pray that as, as we have declared that, that Holy Spirit, the work that you need to do in us to help us to live that and to experience that and to know that experientially, not just in our heads, but Lord, in our experience of your love, I ask that you would do that work in us, even in this moment and in the week to come. And so Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we, we are reunited with your love for us. Lord, I thank you for freedom to walk as sons and daughters. Lord, I pray that where the enemy has deceived us, even, even as followers of Jesus, where the enemy has deceived us to look to other things, apart from your love for us, I pray that you would bring us back to that truth. And so, Lord, help us to walk as sons and daughters this week. And we just need you to help us in that, and we trust you that you will. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, 
Amen. Amen. God bless you. And uh, walk in the identity that you have as a son and a daughter this week. We'll see you next week.